Now the Eskimos around here have a saying. Kwa kwa ni kwona kwana taka Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down there, Nanook. You're going to give yourself an aneurysm. Welcome to another edition of No Brains, No Headache podcast. This is episode 18. I'm your host, Jordan, and I'll be joined shortly with my co-host, Matthew. On today's show, we had an interview with a true American. His name is Hunter Church. He is the Team USA bobsled national team pilot. So we talked to him about bobsledding and the likes of that. After many requests, we are bringing back Criminal of the Week. We then get to headlines, including MLB and NFL Week 1 Recap. And then we're going to end with Week 2 of Mini Helmet Fantasy Football. A lot to unpack there, so sit back, relax, and let's get it on. Okay. Let's party. Our guest this week is the pilot for Team USA Bobsled National Team, a two-time world championship competitor, a World Cup medalist, and a true American. Here he is, Hunter Church. Have you competed at all since Worlds, or has it just been quarantine, Netflix, train? What have you been up to? (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, so so for us, you know, competition ends in March anyway. Okay. Um, So we'll have our national championships usually like that second week of March. Um, And then after that, we just go into like some end of the year sled testing. But... um, yeah, I mean, this year we ended up having to cancel national championships because, you know, of COVID. And then, um, you know, we went into the off season like normal. You know, we take April kind of as like a month to allow our bodies to kind of recover a little bit. Yeah, reach um, Yeah, sure. You know, because we go, uh, you know, we start sliding in October and we go till March. Um, and then, of course, we're on the road for, you know, nine, ten weeks at a time um, in a foreign country. So, um, yeah, it's a, April's our time to recharge and then we go into, you know, rebuild phase in April and then June, you know, you start kind of, you know, ramping up into, you know, your sprint workouts again. And a lot of the stuff we do in the summer is dry land training based anyway. Um, the only thing that we did have that has affected us for competition in the summer has been our national push championships. Um, so we've been unable to, to hold that this year, uh, which is usually held this month. Um, but I mean, yeah, really, we're just kind of, you know, waiting, you know, and kind of we, we're supposed to get an official word next week on the projection of what our season is going to look like and whether or not um, we're even going to be able to compete. So, um, yeah, everyone's just been training hard and, you know, doing the stuff that they can do and control. And it's been just kind of, uh, you know, every day, just kind of wait and see what happens with the rest of the world. So. For sure. So let's back up a little bit. How does someone get into bobsledding? It's such like a niche so, sport that. Sure. I just like, how, um, how well, do you get your start? How do other people normally get their start? Well, so, so typically, um, you know, winter Olympic sports like bobsled skeleton, um, you know, we usually find our athletes coming out of, you know, like a, a division one, uh, college, you know, track and field program or football program. Um, you know, sometimes we get lucky enough where we'll get guys who are, you know, maybe had a stint in the NFL or we're just on the cusp, um, you know, some Olympic track and field runners as well. But so a lot of those guys are, you know, at the end of a career in one sport, but, you know, not ready to be done with athletics in general. Um, so they, you know, end up joining, you know, the bobsled team uh, as an opportunity to represent their country in a much different way. Um, For myself, uh, I come from a a pretty unique situation where I'm actually a third generation slider. Um, So my great uncles competed in the 1940s pre and post World War II. Um, And then my dad competed in the 1980s. Uh, He was a, you know, hopeful for the the 88 Calgary games. Um, He ended up enlisting in the Coast Guard. So got pulled away from that. Um, And then now, here I am as the third generation of the, the church family in bobsled. Um, the first to ever make a national team and a World Cup team. Um, and hopefully the first to make an Olympic team in 2022. So so 2018, I know there was some sort of, you had some sort of run that got the U.S. like a third team in the Olympics, but then you ended up not going. What was the kind of backstory on that? 
I I was trying to like, yes. read up on an article, but I I really couldn't get anything out of it. Yeah, so it was um you know it was an interesting situation um it, you know one that we kind of went into the race knowing that um, we would be qualifying another athlete for the Olympics, um, or I would be qualifying another athlete to take my spot. You know, primarily because of uh, you know my age. Um, you know, I'm I'm the youngest one in the sport as a driver, so uh, my experience level was pretty low. Uh, the driver who ended up going um, had Olympic experience. He had experience on the Olympic track in Korea. Um, you know, so there there was a couple of factors that kept me out. But the most important thing about that day um, was, you know, if we didn't win that race, uh, you know, we three other guys, you know, not including that driver you know, don't go to the Olympic games and represent our country. Um, so, you know, for us, you know, going the whole season, we had had a pretty good year. It was my breakout year on the development circuit that year. Um, and I had accumulated enough points where I was, you know, ranked in the top 20 in the world. Um, and, you know, it was actually our third highest ranked four man pilot at the time. So, um, yeah, we were just trying to do whatever we could to, to stack those points. Um, and of course our point system is, you know, kind of similar to like the sprint cup in NASCAR where every race, you know, there's a, you know, based on your pole position, you end up earning points and, you know, that ends up leading to the, you know, the final pole position at the end of the year. Um, and, and, and to qualify for the Olympic games, only three nations are allowed to have three sleds compete. Um, so you're fighting all these other nations to earn that third spot. Um, and we were right there with the Russians at the time. So, uh, it was like a, 20 point dif differential going into that race um, where if, you know, we didn't take first, um, you know, we, we didn't get those points. If we take second, we're 10 points behind. So, um, but yeah, so it was myself and, you know, a crew of, you know, three other guys who, you know, went out there, laid it out. Um, you know, we did it for the betterment of the team, knowing that um, we were going to give the U S the best chance to, to earn as many medals. Hopefully it was the hope at the time, um, going into those games. And, um, you know, it was, it was, a biting the bullet for me a little bit too, because, you know, no Olympics is ever guaranteed. Um, you know, no one knows what's going to happen in four years. So it was a pretty tough situation for myself and especially as a young athlete to, to know that, you know, there, there was a reason behind why I wasn't going to represent, but, um, you know, for me and, and a reason why I've continued to pursue forward and, um, is because I want to, you know, write the ending to my own story at the end of the day. I didn't want to be known as the kid who qualified somebody else. Um, you know, I want to be known as the guy who, you know, made a significant impact in earning medals for our country in this sport that I love so much. So, so how does it feel to have the opportunity to represent your country? Like how patriotic are you? I'm, I'm pretty patriotic. <laughs> I've, uh, I, I think anybody that knows me since high school, I've been USA all the way. Um, and it's, it's an incredible opportunity. Um, you know, growing up again, my, you know, my family's, you know, primarily military background. Um, and, you know, for my own personal medical reasons, I was exempt from being able to, to enlist in the military. So this is like the second best thing to me, you know, is being able to honor and represent my country on a completely different level. Uh, and, you know, pretty, like you said earlier, pretty rare or, or niche level as well, where, you know, not many people have the chance. I mean, you know, I think the, the number at, at 2018 was there was 200 and, you know, 80 something athletes that competed at the winter Olympic games, uh, for the U S and there's, you know, 330 million people. So just that opportunity, um, to even, you know, come close uh, to even have qualified to allow other people to get to, you know, go compete at the games. And, um, and then now for me, you know, having success on a world cup level, um, you know, it, it's pretty incredible. As far as the world cup and Olympics ranks, what is, is the Olympics like the ultimate goal or is it world cup is that seen in the bobsled community is that world cups the best or olympics or what, what what's the pinnacle of the sport you know i think it well you know i, I think from a public view um of course the olympics yeah. and, and i think for a majority of the people competing in the sport it's going to be the olympics um but you, you know some people you know, world championships is, is the pinnacle as well. Uh, it's, you know, in a lot of countries it's held to the same weight or standard, you know, if you win 
um, you know, world championship gold, it's almost just as good, good as winning a gold medal at the Olympics, if not as good. Um, you know, so, uh, and, and then the world cup is, is really important too. If you're a medalist on the world cup, that's great. But, you know, I think, uh, and I think people have heard this before. It's like, if you're not a medalist at the Olympic games, no one really knows your name. So, um, which is why I say, I think the Olympic games is, is the, the pinnacle of everything. Everyone wants to get to the Olympics. Everyone wants to win a medal, you know, and have their name engraved, you know, for the, for eternity as, you know, a medalist in their sport at the Olympic games. But have you ever tried skeleton? Cause that has to be the absolute most terrifying thing on the planet. It's skeleton is a, it's a wild sport. <laughs> I've tried it. Um, you know, I, I haven't tried it, you know, nearly at the level of, you know, a lot of my teammates. Uh, I, I did it when I was younger. It wasn't for me. Uh, you know, my experience wasn't, wasn't great with it. I, I, and I knew that my spot in the sliding sports was in the front seat of a bobsled. I knew that from a front, a, a very young age. Um, but I mean, we, we will study a lot of the skeleton athletes and their lines when we go to these new tracks and, and we're, you know, we try and figure out what, how they're, you know, navigating through corners and, and we'll watch them come through some corners and we'll go, man, those guys are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Just, well, it's one, they're one absolutely slip and you're going head first into a wall and your neck. Right. Broken. Right. Cause there was a yeah, guy you, that you died at last Olympics. What's that? It was there was a guy that died at the last Olympics or some event that I was watching. The skeleton, he just hit the wall, and you just see his body go down the track. I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Could never do it. <laughs> so the last, the last death, uh, in so the last death that happened in a sliding sport, I want to say it was like 2011. That was in bobsled at the Olympics. It was 2010, um, and and that was luge. That was which is a pr- was yeah. a pretty highly publicized, uh, event that happened. Um, but I mean, skeleton is, it's, it's very difficult because they don't have a lot of protection. Um, and because their lack of weight as well. Um, I mean, you, you think of, we use stainless steel runners, um, and they're not blades. They don't cut into the ice. Uh, they have, you know, like a wider radius, almost kind of like your, your finger. Um, cause the less, you know, friction or, you know, the less that we're, we're cutting into that ice, the faster we're going to go. So for them, they're running these, you know, wide radius runners and, you know, they usually with their sled only weigh about, you know, 200 pounds and they're on a frictionless plane. So, um, they have to be very precise with their steers. Um, so it makes it really difficult to be, you know, the top guy in the world, um, in that sport in particular. And then luge is absolutely insane too, because they have no protection. They're actually the fastest sport on ice. Um, and when they crash, if you want to look up some gnarly crashes, look up loose crashes. Cause phew, they're pretty brutal. Yeah. Well, earlier I typed in bobsled height video and I never thought I'd do that before. So congrats on making me do that. <laughs> and, and you were actually in the video. Too. Yeah. You were in the video. <laughs> oh, really? Right on. Cool. Uh, you said, you said bobsledding was like getting thrown off a mountain in a trash can. And I'm just curious, have you been in a trash can th- getting thrown off a mountain? Well, have you ever been in like a, like a big, like tractor tire or something? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then like rolled down a hill. Okay. So that, like, I guess that's probably a more accurate representation. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I can only assume, but you know, like, you know, most people like that. It's like you're thrown in a, you're three in a trash can, kick you off the top of the mountain, you know, because as a brakeman, you know, your eyes are closed or, you know, and for the most part, most guys get pretty comfortable where they're just, you know, looking at the bottom of the sled, but, you know, realistically they, they can't see anything. They don't see the track. They don't know what's coming unless they, you know, have studied the track and know what's to come. Um, but I mean, it's, it's black. You're just getting thrown all over the place. You, you know, you're, you're hitting spikes of like six G's. So you're just getting compressed all of a sudden out of nowhere. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how else to explain it. You know, I could say it's like getting thrown in the back of a bobsled and then kicked off top of a mountain, but no one would understand that. So well, it got a good laugh out of us. So. Oh, yeah, it happened. We yeah. all just look at each other like, yep, this is definitely our guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, for the pilot, you know, uh, for, you know, my position, it's the most Zen, like, 
calm thing, believe it or not. Cause you know, at the start, we're all just super jacked up. You know, we're trying to accelerate this sled as quickly as we can in 60 meters. Um, but then my job is to navigate this sled making, you know, precise steers, you know, at a fraction of an inch at a time, sometimes, uh, you know, literally just trying to thread a, you know, a pin through, you know, the needle hole there. And, um, uh, so you're just so concentrated and so focused. And what I tell a lot of people is, you know, why I love it so much is it's, it's, you know, we usually get two runs a day and, you know, runs last about eh, 55 seconds. So it's like, you know, just under two minutes of my day where absolutely nothing else matters except for the task at hand, you know, to navigate that slide to the bottom of the track as quickly as possible, as precisely as possible. And, you know, at the end of the day, as safely as possible for the guys in the back too, because I am responsible for, you know, their immediate health too. So, um, but it's uh it's a thrill like no other i've heard some people compare it to you know formula one racing some people compare it to you know being a fighter pilot well um, it's funny you so. mentioned that because i actually park my pontoon on the dock sometimes at my lake cabin so i kind of get what you're saying with you know piloting a fast moving machine <laughs> oh yeah and the fact yeah, i know that what that's like too I, you know, my, uh, my girlfriend's father, I've had to park his pontoon bo boat for him sometimes. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to take this real slow in here. <laughs> I might just jump into the water and, you know, put it next to the dock just, just to be safe. <laughs> it's, it, it, you know, it's honestly, it, sometimes it's less pressure than that. Cause you're just too focused on everything else. You know, pontoon, you got too much time to think you're like, man, I could, oh, is there a rock here? Am I going to destroy this prop? Oh crap. What's going to happen? <laughs> Well, the fact that you are more zen behind a bobsled going, what, 80, 90 miles an hour? Yeah, we'll hit top speeds of 97 on uh, the Whistler track. So, And you're probably more nervous parking a pontoon at two <laughs> miles an hour than a bobsled. Yeah. You're a true American. Yeah, <laughs> the composure of a statue. Well, I mean, you know, that, and that's the, and honestly, that's been my biggest thing too. And, um, you know, and, and again, like going back to that 2018 qualifier, like if I had gone to the 2018 games, um, you know, I can honestly say, I do not think that I would have done, you know, I won the medal. It's, it's almost impossible because, you know, just the amount of grown in those two years since 2018 and the, it, you know, going into that, that, that bronze medal run, uh, in Eagles, Austria this past year, the amount of composure that I had to have to be in that position, um, you know, to have a sled crash right in front of me, the snow's coming down, you know, the pressure is on. It's the first metal on foreign soil since 2017. You know, I don't know if I would have been able to handle pressure like that as a 21 year old, but, you know, and I think that's why, you know, as the, the older I get and the more I'm able to handle that, that pressure and that composure, um, you know, I feel really good moving forward with the rest of my career. So you were in Austria this year for the world cup. I'm sure you've traveled the whole gamut of the world going to these events. Yeah. What, what's sticks out as your favorite place or what place are you like, if I never have to go back there, I'm perfectly fine. So, so actually last year we were, you know, we went from Germany to France to Austria to back to Germany because Germany actually has three tracks in their country. Um, and then to Switzerland and then back to Germany for worlds. Um, you know, I've been to Canada. They have, you know, they have two tracks up there and then we have the two tracks here in, in the States. Um, you know, one of my favorite places on earth, uh, is probably actually, uh, British Columbia in Whistler. Um, absolutely gorgeous. The views, the mountains, just the the atmosphere, the the people—it's just a great place to be. And the track is insane. You know, that's where we'll hit. You know, spikes of six and a half G's. We're going ninety-seven miles an hour, just cooking. I mean, the track where you're going so fast in this—you know—of course you're in, in this enclosed track. You can literally hear the whistling, just you know, breezing by your helmet. Um, you know, and my least favorite place, but can also be my favorite place is Germany. Um, great schnitzel. The, the Bavaria area in Koenigsee is, is gorgeous. Um, from the track, the track's amazing. The town is amazing. You can see Hitler's Eagle's nest, you know, literally from the track, which is pretty cool. There's so much history, uh, world war two history there. Um, but then you go to Northern Germany 
a little bit more of the Eastern part where, I mean, it was, it was DDR at one point or, or whatever. And, uh, it is just miserable just outside of Dresden, Altenburg, Germany, where we had worlds. It rains almost every day. You don't see the sun like ever. <laughs> it's just, it's just miserable up there. So, uh, you know, I have a love hate relationship with Germany, but you know, every country I went to, there was, there's, there was something special about it. Um, you know, and, and that's the same about the area that I live in the Adirondacks here, you know, it's small and there's not a lot going on, but you know, every place I've traveled to there, there's always something that's just, yeah, there's something that's special, something that's unique. I mean, even I, I was out in Nebraska last summer and I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool that there's literally only a town every 20 minutes and it's just a bunch of cornfields. Yeah. <laughs> like when I live here, no, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty, it's, it's unique, you know? Yeah, so for sure. So we, when we were watching that hype video, we saw one of your teammates, Josh, I think, uh, yeah. Built like a Coke machine with legs. <laughs> <laughs> he played lacrosse. Did you play any sports growing up? Uh, or were yeah, you, so, were you bobsled I mean, all the way? Uh, well, I mean, so I started sliding when I was 12. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's easier for me to tell people that eh, bobsled was really my sport. Um, you know, cause uh, you know, I played football in high school. Uh, you know, I ran track, I wrestled a little bit, did some summer, you know, summer league for baseball, but, um, you know, bobsled was always the focus and everything that I did, you know, with those sports was always structured around, <clears throat> you know, how am I going to stay healthy for the season? You know, how, you know, what sports am I going to be able to do that are going to allow me to leave? Uh, so I can go up and take trips or, you know, go to Utah and whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, really bobsled was it for me, which is again, why I'm, I'm pretty rare comparatively to a lot of these other athletes who came from, you know, a more structured background, um, you know, athletically. So yeah, I came right out of high school, went right into bobsled and I never turned back. So what does the future hold or what's the plan going forward? Um, well, you know, uh, the initial future is, uh, well, let's see what happens this year. Um, you know, Regardless of what kind of season we have, um, my hope is that the U.S. has full participation, first of all. Uh, last year, I finished fifth rank overall in four-man. The biggest goal, I'm going to, uh, you know, I want to earn a, one of the Crystal Globes, which is a top three ranking in the world. Um, and then, you know, make a, you know, real strong push for wherever world championships is supposed to be. It was going to be in, in Lake Placid, so it was going to be home world championships with COVID. We're unsure of that now. Um you know, and then after that, you know, 2022, my sights are I'm laser focused on making those those games and and not just making those games, but, you know, making those games count, too. Um, I, I'm not going just for participation. I'm going there because, you know, I want to earn medals for our country. Are you um, guaranteeing you know, a gold medal? You know, I, I don't want to guarantee it because that's a dangerous game. But I'll tell you what, I, I'm not going to settle for anything less than a bronze. <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm not walking about. out of there without something. Well, you should bring um, the mustache back. That'll help. You know, you know I got to tell my agent that because she uh, she doesn't like the mustache. I've been trying to tell her that it's uh, well, we're uh, your uh, new uh, agents uh, now. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of fans of it. It's hard to say no to it. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, after 2022, um, you know, it's. Every quad is a re you know, beginning of the quads of reevaluation. Four years is a long time. Um, I would love to continue as long as my body holds up. You know, two more quads is in me. You know, I, I'm young in the sport. So, um, and then, you know, one day, uh, whenever I decide that I'm broken and I'm going to be feeling it too hard at 50 years old, I'd like to move into a coaching role within the organization and, you know, hopefully be able to continue to develop uh, you know, sliders coming up behind me and, you know, create more of a pipeline of, of youth athletes in the sport, N you know, not just targeting these, you know, collegiate athletes. Uh, I'd like to see some more guys like me come up because, you know, we're, there's not too many of us. And I think, you know, with my time in the sport, it has benefited me, um, you know, at the, where I am now. So, um, but yeah. yeah, good for you, man. I want to talk a little bit about Red Devil bobsled team. You you said bringing young kids up is what's the whole premise behind Red Devil? Um, well, to hopefully you know encourage more youth athletes into the sport. 
Um, you know, again, the, the youth presence is pretty small within the sport of bobsled and because it is so, you know, it's just such a unique sport. Uh, there's only two tracks where people have access. So the red devil program has provided, you know, myself and, and other athletes an opportunity, um, you know, to, to make that bridge from what we call the junior bobsled program, which is like a peewee bobsled, you know, and, and then hopefully giving them an opportunity to, you know, go out and compete at their first national team trials and, and have an opportunity to make a national team. Um, you know, so like that bridge gap, the, the biggest problem with that right now is, um, you know, a lot of athletes have to go out and buy their own sleds. They have to, you know, try and find ice time to be able to, to practice. Um, they have to find runners, which, you know, a set of runners alone, um, you know, can cost anywhere from five to $15,000 just to give you a ballpark. So, um, you know, and the sleds, if you want a you know, competitive sled, which, you know, most kids don't need, but, you know, competitive sleds are 50 to a hundred thousand. Um, but a lot of the sleds that have been donated to the red devil bobsled team, um, you know, they're, they're older development sleds. Uh, but they allow these athletes to not have to worry about going out, buying a sled, buying runners, give them an opportunity to, you know, to test the sport, to continue to, to progress in the sport. And, you know, it, it just gives them that opportunity to make that bridge. Um, and then, you know, a little more of the, the family background with Red Devil too is, uh, so my great uncle, you know, Red Devils is a Saranac Lake based bobsled program. Um, my great uncle slid for the red devil bobsled team. My dad slid for the red devil bobsled team. The club was kind of, you know, dissolved by the time that I came into the sport, but my, my dad and I helped revive that. Um, and you know, I kind of have taken on the red devil name as a hopes to kind of, you know, continue that, that legacy of, of club sliding in the sport. Cause the clubs are pretty much dead now. It's all, you know, national governing bodies and, um, not you don't get you know you don't get that too much anymore it's it's uh it's not structured the same as it was once upon a time so all right last last question i got for you <laughs> do you have a favorite sports team that you watch are you a bills fan are you yeah i do uh so i'm a i bleed blue i'm a giants fan unfortunately <laughs> it's uh it's it's been a rough few years i won't lie but <laughs> Um, yeah, big Giants fan, big Yankees fan too, which has also been a rough year for us. <laughs> <laughs> you got like but, 27 championships. I think you'll be all right. Right. Yeah. Well, we have something to fall back on, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think Danny dimes is the future of the organization. I got, I got high hopes for the kid. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited for football tonight. I'm, I'm saying chiefs 38. Texans twenty four. Beautiful. I don't even have a prediction. Yeah, <laughs> if that if that happens, I'll shave my head on the podcast <laughs> next week. Yeah, <laughs> means I played too much Madden as a as a kid. <laughs> Not a bad thing. Hey, all right, let's get this over with. So, in episode thirteen, Geis is loose. Matt and I made a bet. I said college football would not have a season at all, and Matt. Said the opposite. He said they would have a season. Loser had to drink a four loco in the first fifteen minutes. So the games have been played. Notre Dame played. Conferences rise from the dead, just like Jesus Christ Himself. So I lost, and unlike the Big Ten, I'm a man of integrity and good ideas. So I'll stay true to my word and follow through. Cheers. What this, kind of four loco are you drinking? This is a four loco hard seltzer loophole in the system they said nothing about hard seltzers so four loco hard seltzer 12 percent alcohol by volume here we go well hard seltzers the thing about them though is that everyone's starting to make them if you see a heinz ketchup hard seltzer that's when i draw the line criminal of the week is back josh bellamy ex new york jets wide receiver Cashed in on the PPP loan. Way to jump in on the coronavirus. He did the honorable thing and created fake shell companies where he took out $1.2 million worth of loans. But the thing that he did after it just blows my mind. 
he went and blew like $500,000 at strip clubs and in Vegas and then tried to get his relatives to go in on the PPP ended up taking like $23 million and just ruin what people have used for good money in this pandemic. I mean, all for him. It's really weird that we don't have a guy throwing his girlfriend down two flights of stairs as the criminal of the week. We got a white collar crime on our hands. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I have a criminal of the week. Let's not rule anything out quite yet. Hit me with it. I'm just trying to get this taste of this four loco out of my goddamn mouth. It says with a hint of black cherry, it should say a hint of blackout because that's what this guy is doing. My criminal of the week, the rare Jordan Weichel criminal of the week. I rarely do my research. The top law enforcement official in South Dakota, the Attorney General, Jason Ravensburg, Ravenboozer, he, uh, he fatally struck a man, but right away he thought it was a deer. So he was leaving a fundraiser this last Saturday, hit a large object, which apparently was a human, uh, kind of apparently just glossed over the crime scene really quick, decided, oh, I'm good. Came back the next morning, and upon further investigation, he found the body just off the roadway, you know, his office gave the classic, you know, we are saddened, yada, 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 PR statement. What do you make of this, Matt? Is this a cover-up? It has to be. So the two thoughts go through my mind. Okay. He was drunk and didn't realize it, but I know for a fact he wasn't drunk because there's multiple people that said he was not drinking at that venue. Yeah, so he, he pulled he out would, the bottle from the center console. So he was sober, which... Brings me to conclusion number two, that he was driving, hit the person. The guy was walking on the side of the road, so it's not 100% his fault, but it is 99.9% of his fault. But he hit the guy. But what person calls in that they hit a deer on the road, like right away? I, I think that would maybe be a little more common, but maybe not, too. But well, most people are just going to leave the deer and just get on and, yeah, and, and get and, their and, car to the and fucking keep going. shop. <laughs> yeah, or you hit a deer and you're like, oh, crap, and you keep going. But the fact that he called it in right away and said, hey, I hit a deer at this point, and the fact they found a dead body the next morning is just, there's no way to prove it, and they're never going to prove it unless he admits anything. But it's just greasy, and it's... It's not, like, entirely his fault. The guy was walking on the side of a highway going back to his broke-down car. That was my next question. I was like, how fast was the speed limit, and why is this guy on his so know, walking it, on there? His car, I'm not entirely sure about the guy's track record, but he was walking back to his car because he ran it into a bunch of hay bales down the road. I don't know if you're driving down the highway and accidentally just veer off and run into a bunch of hay bales is a common thing in South Dakota. But, Christ. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> if you hit a human with your car and you go, yep, <laughs> it's a deer. <laughs> hey, 911 dispatch, I just hit a deer. Just letting you know around this point, click. Oops, sorry, just hit the deer back there. There's a couple of beef jerkies there if you want it, eh? If that's not a cover-up, then my name's Anne Frank. I gotta focus on this for loco. I can't... <laughs> Who says they hit a deer and is a person? I mean... Honestly, the worst bet, and I've made a ton of them, that four loco for college football not happening, it's up there. So, Like on my part, a bad bet? Yeah, and I've ma- I make all of them. And I was in a mood that week. I think the, I, just, I just saw the world crashing down. I was just like, there's going to be no football or hope. Yeah, so. and then the Attorney General really has a hold-my-beer moment by just murdering someone on the side of the road. And you lost the bet because BYU decided to play a football game. Did, it, did BYU spark the comeback of college football? Yeah. Which well, inevitably it, it, led to It actually started Ten. with Central Arkansas playing, but I'm going to say the biggest game was BYU-Navy, and it was a plus-one spread. A lot of people are 
Benton Navy, and BYU blew the doors off of them. Ancestors protect me. May they protect you. Well, fuck BYU then. God damn it. I don't know. I just, to be honest, I just kind of wanted to be, like, against the grain that day, and I said, fuck it. Four loco, my ass, and here we are. I mean, I, I do that a lot with you. I wanted to bet on the Super Bowl so much, like, two years ago that I said, Jordan, you want to bet 50 bucks on the Super Bowl? You can pick. I'll take the other one. Or it won't happen this year, but the annual NDSU Bison make it to the FCS football championship. Oh, better text Matt and see if he wants to take a bet with me. That hasn't failed. Hey, Matt, do you want to... Last year I gave you the field. Do you remember that? Yeah, well, I know I lost. I paid you. Eat shit. That's fair. The MLB playoffs are approaching with just under two weeks left until the 2020 playoffs. It's crunch time for everyone in the short 60-game season. So earlier in one of the episodes, I absolutely botched the playoff format. <laughs> what's new? I had no idea what, what was going on. But basically what's going to happen is the top two teams in each division are going to make the playoffs with two wildcard teams. 16 teams total, eight uh, for, per league, and then it'll be one through eight. And as of just the other day, they're playing at a neutral site in Arlington, Texas. So it'll be a bubble-style playoffs. The Rangers aren't making the playoffs, so I like that neutral site. Do you think that had something to do with it, where they're like, okay, this will be nice and easy to slide into Texas, Arlington? Well, I don't know if... As of right now, teams that will more than likely make the playoffs include the Rays, the Athletics, the Doyers, and the Padres. I think it would be awesome if And it's the White Sox, excuse me. I love that it's going to be in Texas. I hate the Houston Astros so much. If anything, I'm not an MLB or a Cubs fan. I'm a huge Cubs fan. Take that out. But I love Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly should be a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt in my mind. The fact that he struck out a batter and baseball needs more of this and said, nice swing, bitch, <laughs> is what we need. Or the picture of him at his own mural. Yeah. There's people lining up down the block to take a Joe Kelly lip out. Well, not only did he do the picture like himself and his buddies, he had his family and his kids there too and like took a picture with them. Good. <laughs> That's badass. That's what baseball needs. We need the bench coach from the Astros chirping at the athletics and a guy trying to fight a coach. Yep. Baseball needs it. Let's Expe party. Especially in this time. Let's party. That's how jacked up I am right now, Matt. I love your enthusiasm. It Keep needs going. to happen. Like, I love that baseball is a shortened season because mm -hmm. I lose interest. I am in this limbo the first 20 games. That 20 through about 140, I'm in limbo. Better stretch. And it's a grind, but this year is just unreal in the sports world. Can't bring up MLB without mentioning Alec Mills Cubs no-hitter. Congratulations to him. Of course, it was on NFL Week 1 where MLB was the last thing on my mind. So, Well, I, I did see that, and I saw that he was still pitching in the eighth inning, and I saw it was... 12 to 0 and I was like why the oh, hell are they coming out of the bullpen? Yeah, I was like why the <laughs> hell are they leaving him in? Or I did think he was coming out of the bullpen. I was like, "Oh, Chatwood had bases loaded, no outs in the first inning or something." Chat nope. Chatwood got a sliver putting flooring <laughs> in his house. Yeah, Quintana was trying to make some muffins and set his entire body on fire. And the fact that he was hitting a no-hitter and I think he had what three walks. And like five strikeouts, it wasn't anything. That that's like a Hendricks game, though. Hendricks will have four strikeouts, go complete game. But what, absolutely all in on the MLB. What is that number two no hitter this season? It's exciting. 
It all started when a young buck named Herbert Munt saw the promise of a new life and staked his claim to it the old-fashioned way. He stole it from the Eskimos. The NFL staked their claim in this week by taking over and having an absolute what we needed in 2020 week. Mm -hmm. Starting out with the Chiefs and Texans, you got that little bowling ball of a running back from the Chiefs that staked his claim in anything that resembled the Texans. J.J. Watt, absolutely useless. The Chiefs are still there. They are the returning champs. They're coming for you. Yep. Patrick Mahomes is the future of the NFL, and as the NFL, they they couldn't be any more excited. We move on to the Washington football team, which, side note, I hope they keep it the Washington football team. I hate it with a passion. I think they should keep it. Because they're 1-0? That and you know what they do. Hey, what's this W? Oh, they're the Washington football team? You don't get confused. They win, baby. Well, how would how would you be? Let's say you were a diehard Redskins fan like the Sioux was. Would you have rather them kept it North Dakota? A Redskins fan just told me the other day he really liked the Hogs, which I really liked. H-O-G-S, the Hogs. I don't think they'll ever do it because it's not very marketable for the NFL. And he had another one. I don't mind the Red Wolves or the Wolves. But the fact that Philadelphia goes up 17-0, and I go, here we go, another Carson Wentz MVP speculation season. They lose 27-17 to to a team that barely should be in the league. Let's go on to the Patriots playing the Dolphins. Jordan, how much are you struggling with that for can, Loco? Can we put an addendum into the bet? Let's just can I just finish it before the end of the episode because Yep, that's good fine. God I cannot concentrate right now. Fifteen minutes was a stretch. I was just hoping you were gonna bring in a shot. You glass go, or you go, you go, Glenn Coco. <laughs> I'm gonna drink my four loco. Patriots Dolphins. Cam Newton. Bill Belichick knows exactly what he has with Cam Newton. He has a one year rental and he's running him like a train. That dude ran fifteen times this game. Anybody who doubts Bill Belichick is a moron. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick, one of my top 10 favorite players in the NFL, shouldn't be playing. Put in Tua. You need a spark to that offense. You have some receivers. You have a tight end. You have a couple young tight ends. You have a good op, good young offensive line. Let them throw. Tua, Tua. Oh, baby. baby, baby, baby. Do you know how to say his last name? Tagalavovia. <laughs> that sounds like a knockoff of where they would have vampires live. It sounds like a cheap tequila. Packers versus your Vikes. The thing is, the Vikings put up 34 points, but it was all garbage time points. Whoa, Kirk whoa, whoa. is a bad quarterback. I want you to hear this hit. Kirk, not good. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Vikes defense is suspect. I will say that. Uh, we all knew that going in. Texting Scar, the guest of last week, I said, hey, the Vikes have young cornerbacks. It's going to be a real problem. Daniel Hunter, IR for three weeks. Doesn't help. It seemed like a late 90s or early 2000s game where defense didn't really make much sense back then. It was just kind of like stack up on offense and get get the job done. And there just wasn't a lot of energy in the game, I would say. It, it was just weird with no fans. I think they did and struggle. And Aaron Rodgers was absolutely surgical. I will say that. They did struggle in USA, U.S. Bank without fans. I yeah. think fans fuel the defense sometimes. And, I mean, that I don't think that was just a Vikings-Packers thing. I kind of noticed that league-wide uh, the Chiefs game was an exception, which a quick note on that, I mean, if you can have – Fans at the Chiefs game, and it seemed to go well. I haven't really heard much negatives about it. I don't see why you can't bring fans back for other sports. It might just have to be a sacrifice thing for the time being just to get yeah, through this. But I hear you. It's, it's kind of a struggle seeing fans at games, other games, and then you go to up to Minnesota, you see no fans. Moving on to the Colts versus the Jaguars. Philip, Philadelphia, Collins, Rivers, 
I went Phil Collins. God damn it. It's okay to go Phil Collins. Phil Rivers. I don't know if it's the right system for him. He needs that number one wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton, great wide receiver. He's not that big body Keenan Allen he gets. And to put it against him, the Jaguars. I love the Jaguars. Garter Minshew is my MVP right now. Whoa. Okay, I, I agree with the Gardner Minshew. I just thought you, you had other... You know, I, I'm thinking MVPs are, if that team doesn't have them, they're terrible. If the Jaguars don't have Gardner Minshew, they lose by 45. Actually, they lose by 20 because that's all the Colts could put up. I can get behind the Jaguars because Gardner Minshew is American as it gets. Uh, the guy just, he lives and breathes football. And that's all he knows, and he's a winner. Um, you know that that guy has six hats in his closet. Five of them are NASCAR hats, and the other one's a beer-dispensing helmet hat. That guy gets excited when he can shave his facial hair into a Fu Manchu. Like, he gets super excited about it. And, and that's how you know he's good. And the fact that the Jaguars were written off as an 0-16 team. I might have said that on the last podcast. And let's get our fact checkers on it. Uh, Vikes, Colts play next week. Moving on. Bears, Lions. The only thing to write home about this is it was the most garbage time game outside of the Raiders, Panthers, where it just kept going back and forth. And then DeAndre Swift from your beloved Georgia. Go dogs. Had Hulk hands trying to catch a blatantly wide open touchdown pass. I didn't watch a moment of this game. Did you see the DeAndre Swift miss? Nope. Didn't watch it at all. Uh, my question here is, how much are the Bears paying Nick Foles, and is he their second-string quarterback? What's going on there? Oh, he's dressed, and Mitch had a fantastic game. A second half or a game? Uh, Second half. His stats look awesome, but his second half? Second half Mitch is a thing. Well, that's just it common theme this week everybody's pretty slow to start got, also gotta you get the engines you got you gotta f- feel those bears fans that are like let's go bears we got one win against a matt patricia team who didn't have their leading receiver and matt stafford has to do everything and they dropped a ball in the end zone when he was wide open you need to watch this after the podcast and i'll get your gauge next week the Lions are a terrible organization. Next, we go on to my Panthers playing the Raiders. This was the best The Las ga- Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders. This was the best game of the week just because it was back and forth. I'm going to say the Panthers played a good game. The only thing we were missing was like a middle linebacker that could pick up the run and guard the pass, drop back into coverage. Um only we had a 28-year-old that just retired or uh, something. What's his name? Luke uh, Leidenkugel. Yeah, it would have been nice to have him. I mean, he's still on the staff as a scout. I'm still hoping his duties as a scout is playing middle linebacker for the team. But I hate to see it, Luke Keekley gone too soon. Overall, I we move on. We move forward. Can I just say Josh Jacobs, absolute wagon. Oh, yeah. Huge unit. Good words. Bills versus Jets. Another Josh, Josh Allen, big fan. Josh Allen, awesome. Dude runs the ball like a tank. Yes. He's like the Carson Wentz that doesn't want to get injured because he doesn't get hit hard, but he runs the ball a lot. But he, his arm is almost too strong. I don't know if you saw the play. He's running, has a guy he's rolling to his left, has a guy wide open, throws it. Maybe into the sixth row. Guy with no one near him. Other than that, the Jets, yikes. Late. Was Sam Darnold seeing ghosts? Sam Darnold was seeing something because that dude sucks. The fact that he's throwing the ball to Jamison Crowder, who is over the hill of 30 and is about five foot four, and... They traded Jamal Adams. They're like, we're building for the future. Yeah, you guys will probably blow your first draft picks on goddamn Demarcus Russell. Uh, like, I'm not a psychic nor a pro scout, but 
I never ever had a good feeling about Sam Darnold, and I just kind of giggle as, as as they move forward. As someone that has yeah. a huge forehead, his forehead is too big to be a good quarterback. There's know. one exception, and that's Peyton Manning. That thing you could land a plane on. Browns Ravens, thirty eight to six. Talk yeah. about having all of the weapons in the world and not being able to use them. Talking about the Browns. Yeah. That's like having an entire fireworks set up, but you don't have a lighter. Well, the Browns do have Kareem the Dream Hunt, who would have made a prime criminal of the week candidate back in his heyday, but we're not there anymore. We're on to 2020, where the Browns are overhyped. Baker Mayfield gets every fucking commercial deal I've ever seen. He's terrible. He's absolutely terrible. Odell Beckham, cancer. Jarvis Landry, I don't even know. He Jar- doesn't Jar- even exist. Jar- Jarvis, I he Jarvis, Land- Jarvis Landry is good. But he has no quarterback to throw to. He has no one backing him up to take coverage away from him. I think Jarvis Landry is the best player on that team. And they have two good tight ends. But you don't have Tom Brady as a quarterback. He can't feed both tight ends. I was just going out on a limb here, Matt. Uh, you know the Browns quarterback carousel. It's It's been a little settled with Baker lately, but who would be your favorite quarterback from, you know, the mid, the, the early 2000s till Baker? You know for a fact it's Brady Quinn. Ah, forgot about that. 22, 22 overall. Mine? Tim Couch. Ah, second. First, Kelly Holcomb. I don't know why. He's I think he played like, what, in his two games? Well... He's my favorite. So. Terrell Pryor, who started at wide receiver the game after he started at quarterback for him. That's just the Browns franchise lampooning. The Ravens are good, but this just made them look very good. Seahawks, Falcons. Russell Wilson is the MVP this year. He better be. There's absolutely no doubt about it. That team Sucks without I him. I don't use the word surgical often, uh, but this will be the second time I used it. Russell was surgical. He makes DK Metcalf, who can't turn when he does a route, look good. <laughs> yeah, go for Russ. The Seahawks are always like, they're always going to be that team where it's like, well, we can't just breeze through this one. It's the Seahawks. Never count them out no matter what. Uh, that game I thought was kind of a shootout as well. Yeah, it was 25-38, to 38, Seahawks won. But the Falcons, I their front office needs to get their cranium checked because they hired Dan Quinn, who was the Seahawks coordinator, defensive coordinator during the Legion of Boom, yep. to a team that centers around offense. I don't get it. We're moving on. Chargers-Bengals. Very boring game. Please put in Justin Herbert. Tyrod Taylor is unwatchable. I heard good things about Joe Burrow, though. Joe Burrow did what he could with what he had. No preseason. Young head coach. The Bengals kicker, who is 5'8", 265 pounds, missed a 31-yarder. To send it to OT? Yep. And then faked an injury. And you, and turns out... Randy Bullock? Yep. He faked an injury, and then they reported his injury wasn't that bad on the other leg. He faked an injury on the wrong leg. That dude's like a dog that needs to get put down. Have fun in the CIFL. Move to Hollywood. Start a podcast, maybe. Get some traction. Yes, start a podcast. Cardinals 49ers. Cardinals shock the 49ers. In my opinion, not much of a shock. Not much of a shock in my opinion as well, Matthew. The loser of the Super Bowl historically has quite the hangover the next year. And the 49ers play in a very tough division. The Cardinals have made the right moves. Kyler Murray was supposed to be playing minor league baseball, and now he's out there running and hucking. I I saw some of his highlights. The guy is quick as hell. And they got a top three wide receiver in the league. They got DeAndre, who had a boatload of catches. Broke his career 
record. It was of 14 catches, catches in yep. a game? First game. Right away, broke it. That was more catches than all the Texans wide receivers combined. I'm sure everybody saw that graphic, but I had to say oh, it. Oh, really? I, I didn't. I didn't. That, that's actually a DeAndre thing. Hopkins, 14 catches for the Cardinals were more receptions than the, the Texans, Texans had wide on Thursday. Good for DeAndre and the Cardinals. Don't count them out. That's going to be a tough division. That, that division is loaded. Yep. Moving on, Tom Brady makes his debut against the Saints. That is literally the worst in the Superdome, granted, without fans, to make your debut ever. Yeah, it, that's it's absolutely terrible because the Bucks are notorious for being like a scrappy organization, whereas Tom comes from such a clean, tight-knit Patriots organization. And then there's no fans, and the NFL and the media – just stroke the shaft of Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady, which I get. It's it's historical. It's it. I even I was watching the game. It was like, wow, haven't seen this in twenty years. In twenty years, you had Tom Brady lacing up his sneakers for the Patriots. It looked weirder than Jordan wearing a Wizards jersey. Yeah, it was very weird. Um, a lot of people made fun of him, but. But is week one of Corona? I'm not giving anybody a pass. Uh, certainly not the Vikings or the likes of that. But it was a weird week. His energy was there though. Like he was all in. It's just you can't get it done. Only scoring 23 points against the Saints. And then you go from 20 years at an organization to one Corona year. That's a lot of work to make up. And and look at the Patriots. They scored 21 points and one by 10. Yeah, that's their game. And they're missing half their defense. Cowboys versus the Rams. Out of the gate, I was like, this is gonna be forty-nine to twenty or forty-nine to like thirty-five shootout. Rams end up putting twenty to seventeen. Mike McCarthy not having a great outing as his first time head coach. Cowboys <laughs> ton of upside on the offense. <laughs> Leighton Van Der Esch gets hurt. What's new there? Nope. Sean Lee is still on the roster. Sean Lee has been hurt since 2007. Still on the roster. Yep. Uh, Rams look good. Don't really have much of a running back now. SoFi Stadium looks pretty sweet. It's pretty gnarly that they built that stadium and no fans. Oh, gnarly! Monday night, Steelers, Giants... I didn't watch too much of it. It was a snooze fest. Yeah, I I think both games were on Monday night. Titans, Broncos, snooze fest. Drew Locke, though, my Drew Locke for MVP, yep. looked good. I just think the Broncos need to give them a supporting cast. He was without his top two receivers. I have two things. One, Danny Dimes for the Giants. Uh, he showed a little flair there. He showed a little... A little integrity, a little grit. And our guest this week, Big Danny Gimes guy. He did. He threw a couple of tutties out to Darius Slayton. So exciting to watch him. Like I said, year of the corona, no excuses. But it's a little curveball. Second thing, the kicker for the Tennessee Titans, Steven Goskowski. Wow, he had a rigmarole of a night. Love the word, but the fact that he had been kicking for the Patriots, he didn't have a lot of pressure. He would have, I got a kick in a Super Bowl. I don't think he kicked a game winner in a Super Bowl. Yeah. I think the the fact that the Patriots didn't sign a kicker to their 53-man roster right away and then sign Nick Volk, I thought for sure they were bringing back Vinatieri. What about Goss, though? Didn't he miss a few and then... He missed three field yeah, goals and then made the last one. To be the hero. Which is just greasing your way through. People in two weeks will forget that he missed three field goals and made the game winner. Well, kudos to him for controlling the narrative. Week two of Mini Helmet Fantasy Football. As you know, we have a sack of all 32 Mini helmets representing all 32 teams. We pick from them each week and choose our fantasy from them. 
We do categories including running back, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, and flex. Last week, Matt chose LeGarrette Blunt for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He also had Cortland Sutton, who had zero points. So I won four to one. Four to one equals two shots for Matt out of the random shot bucket. So I went to our local liquor store earlier and spent about $30 on shooters. I got a party bucket here of 20 shooters. It includes the flavors apple, banana, black cherry, blackberry, butterscotch, cinnamon, coconut, grape, orange, peach, peppermint, pineapple, root beer, watermelon, whipped, espresso, and mangoes, including two cheap vodka shots, two fireball shots, and cheap whiskey shooters. Matt, what did you choose? I was lucky enough to grab the Paul Mason, Mason spelt with two S's, so I will uh, gladly get colorblind after this, but bottoms up. We'll get to his next shooter after this. It is my pick with quarterback to start week two. So out of the random sack of helmets. My quarterback this week. Shit. The L.A. Chargers. <laughs> I'm going to go with Tarod Taylor. Kudos on the pronunciation. I should go with Justin Herbert because he's probably going to get in, but Tarod is the starter. All right, my quarterback is... Matt, quit <laughs> looking in the sack. <laughs> My quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater, Carolina Panthers. Matt, what's that, your what's your other shooter you got for losing on week one? I don't know if I can take it just yet. Can it, you explain it to the fans, please? It is uh, 99 watermelons, 99 proof, 100% chance of diabetes. So Matt chose Teddy Bridgewater from the Carolina Panthers, which brings me to my next point. Matt and I also have a $50 bet on which quarterback does better between Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers and Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. After one week, Teddy has 270 yards, one touchdown, and a QBR of 98.9. Kirk has 259 yards, two touchdowns, and a QBR of 118.6. After week one, I am technically... Leading our quarterback bet, we have 16 yards and touchdowns is what matters, but the QBR is just kind of an afterthought. Back to mini helmet football, fantasy football week two, my running back pick. I got the Arizona Cardinals, and I will go with Chase Edmonds. You're not going to go with Kenman Drake? Okay. My running back pick. What team? It's the Eagles. Who are you going with? LeGarrette Blunt. Give me Boston Scott. My wide receiver pick. The New York Jets. I'll go with wide receiver Rashad Perriman. Dude, I'm getting dicked with picks right now. I have Chargers, <laughs> Cardinals, Jets. My wide receiver is the Patriots, Julian Edelman. Jordan's pick for No Brains, No Headache podcast. Mini helmet fantasy football. Matt is mocking me. Is the Pittsburgh Steelers tight end Jerome Bettis? I'll go with tight end Eric Ebron. Also, I finished my four loco. If anybody was wondering, and I will finish my watermelon 99. My tight end is Travis Kelsey. Had to think about it for a second. Kansas City Chiefs. Good for you, man. Final pick for Mini Helmet Fantasy Football Week 2. Flex. The Flex. This can be anything but a quarterback. My pick is the Jaguars. Jaguars running back James Robinson for my Flex. All right. My Flex. Rams. Cooper Cup. Two Coopers, one cup. Cooper Cup, where do you go to college, Jordan? Washington State. Eastern Washington. I'm just kidding. I think that's right, but I'm about 20% sure. That does it for 
mini helmet fantasy football. Tune in next week to see how many shooters Jordan is going to have to take. What? Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Sherman bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Sherman? Forget it, he's rolling. And it ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Who's with me? Let's go. Come on. Well, the show actually is over, so thank you for listening, and thank you to Hunter Church for coming on. Really hope you all enjoyed that interview. Feel free to follow us on Spotify and subscribe to us on Apple. If you want to rate and review us, please do so. We'd really, really appreciate it. As always, follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And stay tuned for next week. We have some big news coming. So have a good weekend, great day, USA all the way. You go, Glen Coco. <laughs> I'm going to drink my Four loco. Absolutely beautiful, man. My pigs suck ass this week.